Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Mackenzie Nelson from KSHB, 41 Action News in Kansas City. She said to join us, making her Jones Report debut. Got plenty to talk about with Mackenzie. She covers not only the sports scene in Kansas City with the Chiefs and all, but also is on the news side as well and has been all over coronavirus and COVID-19. So we're going to get both of those perspectives when uh, Mackenzie joins us coming up in just a little while from right now. Joining me as always is Thomas Bridges. And uh, Tom, we are now two weeks in to not having sports. We are a few days in of a lockdown of sorts. Uh, I'm actually currently in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma right now uh, because my work said I could work from home. And my parents aren't elderly, so it was okay for me to be with them. So I am uh, actually broadcasting right now, Tom. And uh, one of my buddies, Sully Ingalls from KSNT in Topeka, has dubbed as the Sunroom Studio. And you've been to the Sunroom Studio many times. It's uh, good to be back in the uh, great state of Oklahoma for a while. The great state of Oklahoma and the great city of Coweta. That would be Broken Arrow, but nice try. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably. I'm sure your parents are glad to have you home, especially at a time like this. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, and you're uh, you're at Bartlesville right now, and you can't even get to the Walmart in Bartlesville right now. It's still shortage on supplies. Right. So I am going tomorrow for my mom to Owasso to do grocery pickup because the spots in Bartlesville are all taken. That is crazy. People are still uh, crazy about the toilet paper right now. The shortage, it's gotten a little bit better, but really not that much here in the last couple of days. Yeah, it's still it's still bad. I think it's gotten better because people just finally hoarded up all the stuff and then obviously don't have a reason to go back. Um, and it's just kind of gotten to a point now where anybody's just afraid to just even go in the store. And so... People are just doing the grocery pickup, which is awesome. That's cool, especially for the elderly people, you know, to go and be able to still get their groceries. Um, but there is, like, a mandate where once you you have to have, like, hand sanitizer with you when you go, and then they have to, like, see you put the hand sanitizer on, and then you give them your card, and then they run it, and then you're supposed to put hand sanitizer on again. And then you just pop your trunk, and then they load all the groceries up for you. That's crazy. Uh, in the back, and that's it. Yeah, which, I mean, that's granted great that those precautions are taken, but it's just, wow, it's getting to a crazy point. I haven't even seen hand sanitizer available in the stores. Have you? Uh, I haven't really looked for it, just because we already had some. Uh, I mean, multiple bottles of it, somehow. <laughs> I don't know, but... We have it, and so I'm like, all right. Um, but I've been using that anytime I go out just to be sure. Uh, you never can be too sure. No, you, you can't be. Uh, Tom, from my two days at the Big 12 tournament and only getting to see two games there, uh, I did get a package of wet wipes from Phillips 66, and so I've been using those, keeping those in my car and uh, using them whenever I can. So, uh, Phillips 66, thank you for the uh, wet wipes uh, from your friends at Phillips 66. Right? Yeah, no joke. Uh, is it is it Phillips 66 branded? 
Um, it's got a Phillips 66 sticker on top of it, but otherwise it's just uh, wet wipes that you would never know the brand. Right. That's funny. Yes. So they got to be almost like worth something. There, there can't be that many Phillips 66 wet wipes around. Right, just branded. Right. Huh. Let's save them for a collector's item. Right, yeah. Uh, those, uh, you remember those uh, Phillips 66 wet wipes at the Big 12 tournament that didn't happen? Yeah, I got those. Uh, Got to be worth something right. down the line. Um, gosh, that's that's too funny, uh, to, to say the least there. Tom, we are going to be a while from normalcy. We're getting our uh, $1,200 checks here in a couple of weeks. That's going to be nice. I'm sure you're, lo- you, you're looking forward to that, that extra 1200 bucks. I think everybody is. I'm just, uh, we're not going to have anything necessarily to spend it on besides bills, but um, that'll be it. Yeah. yeah at I'll, least for the most part. But I'm thinking about booking a vacation of some sorts. Uh, flights are so right. cheap right now, but I don't know when it's going to be clear for me to fly um, when I should. So, and I, I don't want prices to jump up. I saw some one way tickets, Tom, right now in Southwest. For like thirty nine bucks a piece to some places, out of KC Mo or out of Tulsa, out of both. Really? Yeah, you can fly Tulsa to, to Denver. Denver right now, uh, thirty nine bucks one way. Yeah, you can't beat that. That's better than uh, than driving all the way to Denver too. I mean, I get, now is that can I? purchase that on down the line yeah it's like nine it goes all the way nine months out i believe that's crazy yeah i might have to hop on there once i get that 1200 and and uh do all that right we'll have to come up with some some trip of some sorts but in the meantime we're all just hoping to return to normalcy that's the thing that we're hoping for at this point in time and as we're taping this today we got more news of events being pushed back. The Indy 500 is not going to occur till August, which is strange. Um, but you obviously understand why. Um, you know, still waiting on a new date for the Masters and some of these other things here. Tom, I just really hope that we've seen the worst and that we can get closer to getting our lives back. You know, whether it's our jobs or just these sporting events or whatever, but. Based on where we're at right now, and these numbers just keep going up and up every day, it doesn't feel like this end is in sight anytime soon. I think it's going to go at least all the way through April. I, I would have a, a a date on it right now. Hopefully by Cinco de Mayo, we're out of this whole deal. But even then, you can't be too sure. And you know, I feel like people are still going to stay in for a while, even after there's an all clear. Right. Uh, Sports-wise, Tom, I would guess that the PGA and auto racing are going to be the first two things to come back because you're not making direct contact with another individual. I mean, your cars are in auto racing and NASCAR or IndyCar or something like that. Um, Golf, you can easily keep your six-feet distance. You can also easily not have fans at either sports at a golf event you know you can clear the gallery uh and just have the tv cameras and all that uh same with an nascar race or whatever you don't need to have fans in the stands um but other than that i think everyone else is going to take a while um realistically for like the nba for example 
I don't know if they're going to get the season in at this point. I would lean towards they're probably not going to get the season in right now. And if they do, you got to find a way to pretty much big brother everybody and you know get them tested all the time and make sure they don't leave the facility. Um, that sounds like a mess in itself. So right now, that's kind of the timetable we're looking at. We're just playing the waiting game at this point. Yeah, it really is. And it's uh, at this point, it doesn't look like the NBA will get to come back, um, at least until the, obviously next season. Uh, um, but which is, I don't know, are they just going to put an asterisk on 2020? I would I'm guess guessing. so, because not everybody even played the same number of games. And right. you think about a guy like LeBron, uh, who is at the end of his career now and is, you know, trying to get his window is so limited on trying to get another title. If you don't get this season in, guys like LeBron and his age, that's a whole wasted year. Even a guy like Kawhi, who's in his prime, um, there's only a limited window to get these a chance at these championships and everything. Uh, obviously, you feel for the employees, number one, and I'm glad that the arena employees for every team in the NBA and NHL are still getting paid right now. But for those that can't work or, you know, in that situation, those who you feel for first. But these seasons, as far as crowning a champion goes, if you're an older player or even in the prime of your career right now, if you're a guy like Kawhi or Giannis, whatever, that this was as good a shot as ever to win a title uh, or another title in your career, uh, this is uh, a doomsday scenario right now that this doesn't look like there's a point of return. Yeah, it really doesn't, um, especially for just Milwaukee with the talk of Giannis leaving um, or, you know, even the Lakers who haven't been to the playoffs in, you know, a long time just for those fans and with the Kobe Bryant fiasco. I mean, it was almost destined for the Lakers to win it this year and do it for Kobe essentially. And now it's kind of like, well, that doesn't look like the case. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate that that it worked out that way, the where it stands right now. But uh, still waiting on that decision to be made as far as the future goes. Uh, but the numbers came out today, Tom, from the NCAA and the Big Twelve, and the NCAA has said that without playing the NCAA tournament and spring sports, they are going to lose about three hundred and fifty million dollars in revenue for this upcoming year. And so now everyone is adjusting their their budgets accordingly. The Big 12 says between the cancellation of the Big 12 tournament and the rest of the sports after that, they're going to lose about $18 million, uh, which divided among 10 schools. That's not terrible. I think you know these bigger conferences like the Big 12 and the SEC, Big 10, Pac-12, etc., They'll be fine. You know, that, that loss for them isn't a huge deal compared to these smaller conferences. These smaller conferences, they're going to be the ones that uh, take this hit a lot more seriously than some of these bigger conferences. These, other, these bigger conferences get so much money in TV revenue. Um, although the $18 million hurts, it won't be as painful for them as it will be these smaller leagues. Yeah, I mean, some of these basketball, you know, only like – only basketball leagues that don't have the big football presence um, are going to be hit. 
Um, even, you know, some of the smaller schools with, you know, top-notch baseball programs that bring in a lot of revenue, those will be hit. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the Big 12, SEC, you know, the bigger conferences who still have football to rely on, um, you know, they won't be hit as hard. Um, and, you know, thankfully it was, you know, again, I mean, if you want to look at the silver lining, at least it was towards the end of the season and they didn't have to cancel the whole basketball season, I guess. Right. Uh, if you want to look, if you want to look for a silver lining, but you know, for schools like Wichita state, uh, you know, they look forward to that. And I mean, I guess even, you know, maybe take a shot here and say, you know, even KU fans always look forward to basketball season. Um, but you know, thankfully we've got most of the season in, uh, and then hopefully we can, you know, figure out or circumvent some way, uh, to get, you know, the schools that are hurt most by this, I wouldn't say funding, but maybe figure out something else that they can do. Um, because, I mean, not only for the conferences themselves, but just for the workers who would be attending those or working those games uh, also affected. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, you'd like to see them helped out in some way, shape, or form. But here we are now, and the fact that things have escalated to this point in this two-week stretch, and today was supposed to be opening day for Major League Baseball, um, and now that's being delayed in Major League Baseball. Tom and I aren't big baseball guys, but, I mean, we'd take that right now. Um, and even the MLB, whenever they do come back, Tom, you pretty much have to throw spring training out the window. you got to do it again essentially. you got to take three weeks to go back to spring training or hold it at the team facilities that they're at right now, and then you can play baseball again. So that looks like it's going to be a long time. Even when the coast clears of some sorts, it's going to be a while before we get baseball back. Um, You know, football, now we start to wonder if this thing is going to happen here at some point. The, The NFL has been proactive with still moving on with the league year. Looks like everything is going to happen as planned, without crowds and without team personnel uh, at these facilities. Uh, One of the things we'll talk to McKenzie about is that these coaches and staffs are not allowed at their facilities right now. And so what you have happening, Tom, is that when you get to the NFL draft, some of these teams are trying to book hotel conference rooms to operate as their war rooms of sorts because they can't be at the team facility. The drafts will go on, but a guy like Andy Reid can't even be at the Chiefs facility right now. Um, you know, stuff like that, they're all locked out, so they're trying to find alternatives. Um, you know, if you need somebody to relate to who's working at home, everybody is. Lincoln Riley's working at home right now. So's Mike Gundy. Um, you know, he, Mike Gundy was telling his kid not to get a haircut right now. Uh, I mean, all sorts of stuff like this. Everyone is affected in sh- some way, shape, or form. Tom, this this coronavirus, whether you are infected or not, everybody is affected in some way, shape, or form. And we're seeing that in the sports world as probably the biggest example of that, of the draft is going to look totally different. It's going to happen, but no one's going to be in Vegas for it, other than you know the Raiders. Um, but it's going to be this virtual draft. Uh, you know, it's not going to happen in any of these team facilities. Everybody's going to be Skyping in. Um, you know, the free agency period has still gone on, but 
Nobody's actually meeting in person with these teams. I mean, it's just a bizarro time right now. And uh, the NFL is still going on as is, thankfully. And I'm glad that they have. Um, but it it is uh, it is wild that we, we've reached this point that the big behemoth that is the NFL could even be affected and have make some changes. I mean, it's not out of question now, two weeks after this, of wondering, are we going to have a football season right now? Um, I hope and pray that we do. The NFL is, you know, the biggest thing in this country, and college football is a close second. And, you know, these colleges, not only for their athletic departments, but for the entire universities, depend on college football happening. We heard Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, he said today that, Basically, if they want to have athletics, if they want to be able to operate with their budgets for the rest of the year, football has to happen. Whether there's fans there or not, you have to have football one way or the other. Yeah, that's. I hope that we don't have to face that. Um, can you imagine a summer without sports at all, even though MLB, of all things, um, no sports all summer, and then possible hopes of you know okay football's coming back and you know if it was to get that bad if it was you know if we're not out of this by middle of may and you know we're still facing this in july uh you know not even that but just the holidays memorial day for the july all the summer businesses all the summer holidays or you know destinations that people go to those businesses are hurt uh, if it gets into college football, think about all the little, all the little shops in these, in these little university towns that rely on those Saturdays for you know swamps of people coming in and boosting the local economy. I mean, it will be not only affecting the universities, but it'll be affecting the towns as well. Yeah, this uh, this could be really bad if uh, if we don't have football. I mean, we got to have a turnaround of some sorts. Uh, we heard the president say earlier this week that. Uh, he wants to see it get to a point where we speed up this process and have folks going back to church uh, for Easter Sunday. And that might be too quick, um, but if that's the case, then that should be a good sign for the future um, you know, of getting these sports in. But if that doesn't happen, then who knows what's going to be the case. Uh, as far as getting everything back to normalcy. That's kind of just what we're all hoping for right now is to get to that point. But in the meantime, Tom, while we wait on that, thankfully, Joe Exotic has come in and given us some relief during this coronavirus. He hasn't quite cured coronavirus, but he has given uh, us some comedy, something to laugh about. Instead of watching the NCAA tournament, we have spent our time watching... Uh, a uh, a gay uh, polygamist in Oklahoma who enjoys hanging out with tigers and lions and exotic animals and the entire industry that is exotic animals uh, in this new show Tiger King that's on Netflix. And we, we knew this was coming. Uh, I had heard that they were doing something on Joe Exotic. And Tom and I's Oklahoma guys... We had known who Joe was. He had run for governor just a couple of years ago. But I really had no idea all the ins and outs that go on in this uh, exotic 
animal kingdom of some sort. Seems like everybody in this deal, Tom, is just nuts, is just crazy. They're all corrupt. They're all just bizarro. Um, I mean, there's no sane person that's involved with these exotic animals. Uh, Carol, she killed her husband, no doubt about that. Um, you know, if, if she tries to sue me, I'll go ahead and say allegedly right now, just to clear the record, just in case. Because, um, I mean, the last thing I want is Carol coming after me. Um, but, I mean, just all these people, that the, the doc guy, I mean, he's nuts as well. I mean, I guess it makes sense if you're going to work with exotic animals that you would be an exotic person. But I had, I had no idea. Right, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that comes out and, you know, is, is shown out there that I, the, the average person, there's no way, no way they would have known about. Uh, and, and just the footage, I mean, this is the, the people who put this doc together are the same ones that put the Fire Festival doc out, which if you haven't watched that, that's, a, that's an also a great quarantine watch. Uh, and the way they release information throughout the documentary is just deserves an award honestly um and this this tiger king documentary just is phenomenal not only from a content standpoint uh but from the way they shot it and presented it it's just been amazing um to watch are you convinced uh that carol killed her husband allegedly yes (laughs) i don't want to know we don't i don't want to give any spoilers out because Usually, I'm the last person to end up watching these type of things, um, but there are still so many people, I feel like, that haven't seen it, uh, and you just have to watch it. Um, so, I won't give any too many spoilers out, but, uh, I mean, it's everyone's quarantined right now. There's no reason why you shouldn't be watching this. Right. You need to. You need to watch this, uh, this Tiger King. Uh, don't watch with the kids. They don't need to be watching um, yeah, but... I'll show the kids. Let the kids know. <laughs> I'm all for it. Oh, oh. Let the kids watch it. Right? Just just let them watch. Uh... Like, hey, just look at these tigers, you know? <laughs> don't <laughs> don't focus on any of the other part of it. <laughs> right? You're right. Just uh, put some earmuffs on. Don't listen to the words that are being said. Um, exactly about this, but oh my gosh, this is just crazy. It seems like the only sane one on there, Tom, is uh, is Alan, the campaign manager, who got called out of, out of uh, work in a Walmart, who had no political campaign experience to run Joe's campaign. Right, yeah, and even then, he you know, by the end of it, you could tell he was kind of rattled by the whole ordeal. He grew that beard and all. Right, exactly. Exactly, kind of rattled by the whole situation. Um, I mean, I, I feel like anybody get. I feel like he's just wrong place, wrong time situation. But uh, you know, I would. What an experience! I mean, throughout the whole thing, to say you were part of it, right? Um, I think all those people, Tom. Like, there's no way that Joe is the only one at going to jail uh that's not much of a spoiler because people that's common knowledge you know that's that's open record that joe's in jail right now but there's no way that he could be the only one i mean carol didn't even hardly get investigated for you know killing her husband and everything i mean the rest of them uh you know jeff lowe there's no way that guy didn't do any criminal activity 
No, I mean, he looks like a, a shady person just in general. I mean, he's definitely going. Uh, Carol, I think, eventually is going to get caught up. The outrage that I've seen on Twitter about Carol, um, it's it, that case is getting opened back up if it already hasn't. Um, I mean, they're going to – she said – no, I'm not going to say that because it will give some spoilers away. So I'll leave it to – I, I want to hear – people who listen to this show, I want to hear from you on Twitter or Instagram – what you what your theory is about Carol because you know, allegedly or in my opinion from the evidence I've been shown so far throughout these episodes she definitely killed her husband I don't know anyone Tom that's team Carol um, is there anyone that likes this woman I haven't seen anybody being just super supportive I've seen neutral people say oh well, everybody's terrible on it well I mean, Carol's just playing the holier than thou. And, you know, at least Joe and these other ones, even the, you know, the the guy down in Florida who had, you know, ran drugs and then opened this up was, you know, he admitted that and was open about it during the episode, but, you know, said he served his time and then he's doing this now. So Carol was the least transparent of all the characters, I guess you could say, on Tiger King. And and her husband, who wasn't even there the whole time, uh, does so much talking for her on her behalf. Right, yeah. Like, it's mind-blowing. And he's got to be speculating, like, I, I wonder what his goes through his mind. Because you know they're online reading all these comments. They have to be. Right. Even if they say they're not. They're, they're, so, they're in quarantine, too. They have nothing else to do. They're definitely online reading all this this whole blow up on this whole thing. Uh, I mean, I'm sure she's gotten letters in the mail. I can guarantee you she's gotten letters saying, Hey, you killed your husband. I bet you. Now the background story on that, she was married to millionaire Don Lewis who disappeared in August, 1999. And before that he had filed a restraining order against Carol and it was rejected, and I guess they were on their way to divorce. But all of a sudden, he died, and there was not really much nah. of an investigation. He was ruled officially dead in 2002. They said Carol was the number one suspect. She had all those tigers and everything. Um, it, it seems like this is pretty clear. I, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, Tom. I'm a connect-the-dots guy. And I think these dots are pretty easy to connect. No, I, I mean, it's like I've come to conclusions, you know, there have been cases that have been, you know, almost looked as easy as this one that took more time to solve, but they still got solved. I mean, this is, I mean, if this is all presented to a jury in a courtroom, all you have to do is watch episode three of this Tiger King and it would tell you all you need to know. Yeah. It, granted that it's all 100% true, which, you know, I, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt that they wouldn't just make stuff up on the show. I mean, I'm sure maybe a little bit, but, I mean, these are all personal accounts right. from the actual woman herself. Yeah. Uh, Kate McKinnon is uh, going to play Carol in an upcoming series. Uh, it's going to be some type of... Uh, drama or sitcom of some sorts. Uh, Kate McKinnon 
of course, is uh, is from SNL. She plays uh, Elizabeth Warren and Hillary Clinton and a few others. So that should be pretty good. I like Kate McKinnon. Uh, I imagine that will be worth watching to see how she's portrayed by Hollywood uh, because everything would point to that she's just crazy and the worst one there. Uh, Joe, I think, Tom, that there's no way, as much as I like Joe, and I think that everybody that watches this, Joe is going to be their favorite person. Either you're going to hate everybody or you're going to like Joe. I think that the only way you hate Joe is if you just hate everybody here. But I do think that there's no way Joe didn't blow up that studio. He just happened to be going to a funeral when he never goes out of town. He already wanted that footage got and everything. There's just no way that Joe didn't blow up his own studio there. Right, right. And I think there's just so many different factors and, and just the paranoia almost that he showed, uh, you know, the not not as stable uh, that that he probably had some part in that. I mean, I don't want to say that he 100% did it uh, because he was out of town. Maybe he even had someone do it for him and then just played the I don't know card. I don't, I don't know for sure. Right. Uh, you know, left it to somebody else of some sorts to do. Uh, this TV producer, uh, I mean, it, it seems like that he's a smart guy. They had a good thing going and that he had a really good idea to come up with this reality series and everything. But to not back up that footage, I mean, that's rule number one of media is you always have backup. And obviously they had enough footage from all the way back then to put this Netflix series together of some sorts. To me, not all of that quite adds up. Uh, I, I still wonder what's going on with that producer. Right, yeah, to get rid of all that, I mean, it seems like a one big cover-up for sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's something else. Um with that, uh, when when you get to the end of him going to to prison and such, um, and the kill for hire, that situation that went went on there, I mean, you basically have uh, the the uh, the guys at the end there basically admit that they were setting up Joe. Um, you know, obviously, I think, and no offense, I said I like Joe, but. You know, with with some of the cruelty and such, Joe did deserve to go to prison, no no doubt. But I do think he was definitely set up on this uh, on this kill for hire thing. I mean, like, how stupid do you have to be if you actually think you're going to pay somebody to kill somebody and only pay them three grand? I mean, like, I have no interest in killing anybody, obviously, but. There's there's nobody on earth that's going to do that type of, carry that that type of order out for somebody for three thousand dollars, right? And it was almost just from the footage shown, almost looked like they were almost agging it on, right? Um, for him just to get this done. Uh, I mean, he, Jeff Lowe know, wanted him out of there big time, right? And and Jeff Lowe, as far as the Vegas thing, uh, you guys will get to that if you haven't watched it, and if you've watched it, you know what I'm talking about with the Vegas venture, and then coming back, and then, you know, telling Joe, you know, forged all the, I mean, really, I mean, if, if anything, Joe goes to jail for forgery, or fraud. Right. Uh, I mean, that's really what it would come down to, that's probably should have been the charge. The murder for hire was just to 
uh, you know, essentially knock him out, uh, so to speak. And I, I think some of the feds had heard on what was going on in Wynwood, and I think they saw this as their chance to, to get him off essentially the face of the earth. All right, so I, I want to do a power ranking here since we obviously can't do any power rankings right now. So who is the, the worst on this show? Um, number one is Carol Baskin, right? No question? I think I think so. I mean, I would put her up there. I mean, until she's obviously innocent, until proven guilty. But there's a lot of evidence that, you know, it would be different if she was maybe had the same personality Joe did and, you know, got away with that. But she acted like she was just so much better than everybody else. At least that's how the show portrayed it. Yeah, Carol and her husband are, are 1A and 1B. You know, they're right there on their own level. Uh, those two are, as far as the worst goes on this show. Um, after that, Tom, I got to go with uh, James Gerritsen. This guy was sketchy from the beginning. This big old fat slob had sketchy written all over it. And he was working undercover with the FBI after he had already been caught doing some illegal activity himself. Um, I got to go James as the next guy. He was the snitch in all this. Bad dude. Yeah, he was pretty shady. And he only snitched to save his ass uh, is what he did. I would say either James or Jeff Lowe would have been my number two or three there. Yeah, uh, Jeff Lowe, I think, would be my, my number three. Um, and, and Jeff Lowe, obviously, setting up Joe for what he did, um, you know, as an investor and promising to save the zoo. Um, and, and I also got to hold something against, uh, I think that if we're trying to debate between James or Jeff Lowe for number two, um, James said that uh, Oklahoma sucks and that we're poor and all that and so because he took a shot at my home state he automatically that's a tiebreaker he goes number two that's fair i can see that and then so number two or three you know it's either gonna be james on my end would be james or jeff Lowe. those are two and three interchangeably and then after that you know after that i would say it's probably joe exotic right Honestly, it's probably a four, at least for me. I, I guess the guy that had originally, I can't even remember his name off the top of my head, but the guy that was originally going down there to kill Carol. Oh, uh, yes. Um, that, was uh, shady. that was set up for hire. That was Jeff Lowe's assistant. Right. Yeah, I mean, he had come on and was a hand, he was the handyman. Yes, that, and, uh, that was who you're talking about, Jeff Lowe's right-hand man, was uh, none other than uh, Alan Glover. Right, exactly. He was pretty shady. He kind of just seemed like the pawn in all this, though. And, and he already had a felony. He was just out of prison. Right, and then he just went down there and took the money and just uh, just said, you know what, I'm, I'm done, I'm going home, and went on back to South Carolina. Now, the Doc Angle guy, I don't know that he did anything super illegal, you know, they said that the feds raided him and he was... Now, I, I guess if this... if the, And this hasn't come out, or it hasn't been 100% proven, but they were saying he was euthanizing tiger cubs after they were past a point, like a certain stage. Um, and then so if that comes out true, then he 
gets bumped up, in my opinion, to like three or four. Um, and and then not with, to mention, like just personality wise, every time they bring him in, he was laughing the entire time. All this was funny to him. Right, and then he had the lady that was coming on there that used to work for him, and pretty much said what he had run was like sex cult with all these young girls that got played with tigers. And then if you wanted to keep your job or move on up, then you'd have to have sex with them. And he he said that, I forget his real first name, but the name he was going by was some Indian name um, that meant Lord or something like that. And so it's like, this guy's just a narcissist. So, I mean, everybody in the show was, was bad. Now, the guy that I didn't think was that bad... Um, you know, that you had the lady that had her arm ripped off, and she just seemed like, you know, she seemed like a good person. And then the other she guy... She had no was, business going back to work after that, though. Like, right, come yeah, on. That, there's, yeah, there's no way I would have. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes if you love it, then I guess, you know, you do what you do. The guy that had lost both legs in the zip lining accident. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, the, like, the that would be John. Were, John, the yeah, manager of the seemed, zoo. Yeah, he seemed like he was one of the best out of the whole show. I felt bad for John because he did literally nothing wrong. He just did what he was told. He was a pretty happy guy. He fed the animals. And then what do you know, one day he's having to uh, buy dress pants and dress clothes, which he's never worn in his life, and has to show up at this, uh, you know, at this hearing and is subpoenaed by the feds. I mean, like, what did he do? What did he have to do with any of that? Right, I'm sure whoever worked there was, uh, well, you know, was called up by the feds. I mean, I could only imagine, uh, you know, being a part of that and then going through that whole show of a, uh, of a time just for everybody involved. I mean, it's uh, unbelievable. I mean, it's it's you know they say you know justice will get you know karma will come back around, and I think we'll be talking about Carol Baskin and maybe having her own documentary. Uh, maybe they call it the Tiger Queen, um, and that coming out because I think that's coming. It will come back around, and I think Carol will get will get her hers too. Well, if there's a you know leader in the, uh, I guess the term would be in this case clubhouse, not clubhouse. Haha, <laughs> pun intended. Um, <laughs> you know the the thing with Joe was he was the Tiger King. He has been dethroned right now. As much as we hate her. Uh, you know, Carol is on top of the mountain right now. Darth Vader is winning this whole deal as we speak. Right, because now she knows that the guy, you know, and as far as Joe, like, wanting to kill her, sure, and he, you know, I feel like he talked a lot of talk, but I don't think he was ever going to go down there and do it himself. Uh, I mean, I feel like he kind of got agged on. I mean, there's a lot of times that, you know, you might say something just to say it, and you wouldn't ever really do it. Would you say because you're angry or you know, you know, like uh, I don't, I don't know even, I don't, even, I can't even think of an example. But I don't think Joe would ever went down there and done it himself. I think just when the opportunity was presented, he would just said, "Yeah, I'll give you some money and say like, forget about it." Um, and if it happens, it happens. And I had to think for a while that it wasn't going to happen after the Alan Glover guy ran away with the money. Right. Um, so I mean. As far as that goes, I mean, I, I think that part was agged on and, you know, came to full halt when they realized that this other guy wasn't really going to try to do it. 
Right. Um, and they couldn't prove any transfer of money. Yeah. And so then they had to go on and, and ag this along. Right. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the girl that lost her arm. That's Kelsey. And, I mean, she was pretty calm throughout the show. Uh, the way that she downplayed uh, her arm being amputated was incredible to me. Um, I would say the most sane people on this show were her, um, as well as the uh, TV producer Rick uh, Kirkham. Those were those two were pretty sane uh, for the most part. I mean, Kirkham was still you know smoking on camera, and uh, I think he was playing it up to the to the uh, cameras a little bit. Um, but also, I would add the uh, the campaign manager that we mentioned. Um, John. Uh, Alan, I believe his name was. Uh, Joshua. There yeah. it is. Joshua Dial. That's who it is. Um, he he was pretty sane. And then beyond that, everybody was just crazy on this show. But you have to see John, it. John was pretty sane, I feel like. Um, I mean, you know, to, to an extent. I'm sure he, had his, he seemed like he'd seen his share. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but if you haven't seen this, you need to. Tom, you've actually made contact with Joe Exotic. How did this go down? What What did you two discuss? So I had talked to Joe actually yesterday, and I had found a way to contact him on a prison mail website um, that you can go on, you can purchase these credits to message, but... First, I sent him a message request, to, and then it got accepted. Then I messaged him and said, hey, you know, just seeing your story. I'm from Bartlesville. Uh, you know, I know that you have a website that you want to get out there. You know, I'd like to put some money essentially on your books, maybe buy you some snacks or something, and then see about getting them on the podcast. And so it was said before I sent the message, like, there's no privacy you know like whoever at the jail will see your message and then decide whether or not they want to give it to joe um it's okay so sent it and a couple hours later i got a message back from it said hey so sorry it took that long you know it was like probably for like five hours um that i sent it and he said so sorry you know it took me so long i'm getting swamped with emails right now but uh, you know, he gave me his his husband's his most recent husband's email address, and said the commissary service that the jail uses rips you off, and they're shady about it. And what's it named, uh, by the way? It's yeah, it's called Tiger Commissary, and it's not <laughs> named after Joe by any means. But I just thought that was pretty ironic. Um, and so I sent his husband on PayPal some money for the books. And he said, in the next couple of days, he'll know more. Um, and I gave him my phone number. Um, and he said he would give me a call uh, when he could use the phone at the jail. So, still obviously up in the air, but I am currently making that my quarantine mission uh, to get an interview with the one and only Joe Exotic. There you have it. So we have made contact with Joe Exotic. Uh, Thomas has... Uh, reached out, and uh, we've made contact with him. So we're going to see if we can put something together. We're going to try. Uh, give it a best effort. Uh, maybe we can get him and Carol on the phone together. Yeah, you know what? If that happens, I, I think we will just... We will have our own documentary made about 
all the way back from the doctor report, all the way up until we get Joe Exotic on and start our own Barstool Sports. Right, yeah. Also, another great piece, I mean, I know we're talking about Joe Exotic, but Dave Portnoy's story, I mean, I watched the first two chapters of that documentary, and while not as well put together like the Tiger King is, uh, still very informational on how Barstool got put together. I've heard comparisons. Uh, people at Barstool are saying that Joe Exotic basically is Dave Portnoy if he ran a zoo, an exotic zoo. I believe it. I 110% believe it. Did Jeff, speaking of that, did you see his most recent pizza review? On the Red Baron pizza? Yeah, it got like a 6.2. He must be getting desperate or something. I mean, don't get me wrong, Red Baron's not bad, but the fact that he just forgot to push the record button and he's, you know, just letting them have it. Uh, you know, I think before I even knew what Barstool Sports was, when I was going to do my own past podcast called Live from the Theater, I think I had that Barstool spirit before I even knew who Dave Portnoy was. That was the original intent of Live from the sh that never took off. Oh, R.I.P. <laughs> Anyways, uh, with that being said, let's uh, talk to Mackenzie Nelson of uh, 41 Action News. we got plenty to talk about with her. Uh, Chiefs, coronavirus, a wide-ranging discussion when Mackenzie joins us on the other side. Stay with us as we're rolling along here on the Jones Report. <laughs> Joining us now on the Jones Report this week from KSHB, 41 Action News, the NBC affiliate in Kansas City, it is Mackenzie Nelson who is uh, making her debut with us this week. Mackenzie, welcome in, and I'm glad to have you with us this week. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad I finally get to chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. This has been a long time coming. Uh, Mackenzie, tell us about your background. How'd you end up at a 41, and what have you been doing since, since you've been there? So, um, I am a Kansas City native, born and raised here, uh, so I'm happy to be back in Kansas City, going on three years now at, at 41 Action News. Uh, before that, I was in South Dakota for a couple of years, Rapid City, um, and then I went on to Chico, California, um, worked there for about two years and made my way back home, um, and so far, I'm loving it. A lot of great experiences here, and I mean, it's always great to go home, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that, that, yeah, so I can't complain. For sure, for sure. Was that, a, was that a goal in mind? Was it to get back home or did it kind of work out naturally? You know, it was always a goal. Um, I think growing up here and always watching the news and just being interested in it, um, it was always a goal to come back. I wanted to report on, you know, the things that were going on in the community that I was born and raised in, but also cover like our hometown teams. I mean, that's just always been something that I've been um, wanting to do so to have the opportunity to do it um, it's awesome to, but it's definitely not um, my end goal right so. right that's great and with your role you're primarily news but get to do sports coverage from time to time got to follow the Chiefs all the way to the uh, Super Bowl I did I'm kind of a hybrid so I basically fit where I'm needed I mean I've done everything from uh, being a photographer to news sports and then I even did um some like fill in anchoring when necessary so I mean wherever they need me they put me but um I I love it I love getting to do a little bit of both but um obviously it's a little bit more fun when you get to cover um winning teams so that was fun oh yeah no doubt about that uh take me through that you go to Miami and and see this team obviously win we know about the game itself how incredible that fourth quarter was uh coming back from down 10 points what was that just whole 
week like of just how crazy Miami was and everything? Honestly, it was, first of all, shocking to just realize, like, hey, I'm going. As a Chiefs fan, I mean, never in a million years did I think I would ever get to go to a Super Bowl. Um, but then to get to cover it and um, and be there, you know, the week leading up to it, it was amazing. Um, it took a while uh, to actually realize, hey, I'm here and, and this is the Super Bowl because we were working, you know, 18-hour days. Yeah. Um, but, it, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, you talk about the fourth quarter, but what's crazy is um, you kind of know how it goes. Fourth quarter, we have to go, you know, get in place and, and get prepared for where we're going to be after the game. So I was actually at the game but watching the fourth quarter on a TV in the tunnel next to Brett Beach. Um, and that was an experience in itself, getting to watch <laughs> the fourth quarter standing next to him. And, you know, he's pacing and walking back and forth and, and not watching the TV and then looking. I mean, it was just uh, an amazing experience and an incredible feeling to be able to, you know, go out onto the field and, and see our team win and then just kind of be there and just experience it as a fan, but also covering it, um, you know, professionally. That was like a highlight of my career so far. Did it, was there a moment in particular that it hit you? Like, oh, oh my gosh, this is, this is really happening. I'm here and seeing this. I think the pass to Tyreek Hill when they made that play, it was like, oh, my God. You know, because most of us, we were kind of like, oh, you know, at least we made it. It's been 50 years. You know, we were trying to find the good in, you know, going to the Super Bowl and losing. Sure. Um, but I think that play and then, you know, from then on, then Travis Kelsey had a big catch. For the moments I was like, we're not done. Like, this is really happening and you know Damian Williams scored and I'm like oh my god we're gonna win like we are going to win and what's crazy is you know when you're in the tunnel and you're getting ready to either cover um you know the losing team in the locker room or you're gonna go out onto the field and cover uh, the winning team you know I was going wherever the Chiefs were so on one side of the stadium I was staged waiting to just go into the locker room and cover the loss and then within minutes I had to sprint to the other side of the tunnel to get ready to run onto the field because we took the lead so it was in a matter of like five it was insane just running back and forth trying to figure out where I'm supposed to be and taking it all in as a fan just being there and being able to be in the tunnel and hear the crowd from from there I mean it was just incredible Oh yeah, and and to be documenting history as it happens too. Uh, I mean, this team was so unique in so many different ways. You know, the first Super Bowl uh, for the Chiefs in fifty seasons. Uh, of course, Patrick and his first and such too. I mean, uh, what in particular was there any specific thing that stood out to you, even as a fan in particular, like of maybe that you, you were happy for? Like, was it? you know, Patrick's first, or were you thinking of family, whatever? What what were kind of the, your thoughts just as this was going on? I think for me, and a lot of people have talked about this, but to see Andy Reid finally, you know, get a Super Bowl, um, yeah. getting in the locker room after, you know, the celebration on the field ended and getting to talk to the players, that was one thing that really stood out. They all talked about Andy Reid and how they, you know, while this felt amazing for them individually as players um, and an accomplishment for them, um, they couldn't talk, you know, highly enough about Andy Reid and getting to do this for him and be a part of the team that was able to to win it for him. So I think that was just something that really stood out to me. And, um, you know, it was just really cool as a fan to, to see him do that for our city and to put a team together and build this team um, the way that the organization did and, and bring it home for us. I mean, that was just an incredible feeling. Oh, yeah. I, I love the way uh, the, this team was built from the ground up. When you talk about the fact that Andy came in off a two-win season, 
Um, you know, we've heard that story a million times about what Clark Hunt did to hire Andy Reid, you know, said they wasn't going to leave. And then, of course, you know, drafting a quarterback like Patrick and just the steps, the progression, the fan base being loyal through all those years. Um, I mean, this was a long time coming. I mean, just to see everything cultivate together. I mean, it was – There's, you know, I, I think there's many Super Bowls in the Chiefs' future, but there's always going to be something special about this first one. Absolutely. I mean, uh, with the team that we have, the quarterback, the coach, I think we can expect uh, many more Super Bowls to come. Um, so I think Chiefs Kingdom can be really excited about that for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this one's just – it just feels differently. You know, the 60th – um, anniversary and then 50 years uh, I'm sorry the 100th anniversary and then 50 years for the Chiefs um, 60 years for the uh, the uh, Chiefs in the AFL yes yes um, I just think uh, this one is going to be one that really sticks out and you know Chiefs fans will really remember oh yeah oh yeah no doubt about it and uh, now you move forward with this team and such uh, you know we're, we're in the off season now and and uh, to try to do it again with Brady now in New England, I, I, personally, I think this is uh, for the makings here. Uh, the, the Chiefs have an opportunity here to dominate this AFC for a long time, potentially, uh, if, if they do this right. Were you expecting him to go to Tampa Bay? I mean, were you shocked when that news came out? Um, so I had heard about a week before there was a really good chance he would go to Tampa. But if you would have told me before I heard a week before that, I would have thought you were nuts. Um, that to me, and you know, afterwards when you dissect it and such, it makes sense now. But the time being, that's still going to be shocking to think that the Patriots are going to move on without Tom Brady. And and uh, I would say that you know, the Chiefs are probably not getting enough credit uh, because that's probably one factor, at least. At the very least, of Tom Brady not wanting to play for an AFC West team is not wanting to have to deal with Patrick Mahomes twice a year. Right. I think he got out of the out of the AFC. He was avoiding Patrick Mahomes. So I think Mahomes can handle Brady now. I mean, um, I hope to see them go up against each other again. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll go with Brady was was wanting to get away from right. him. <laughs> he doesn't want to lose anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Jones uh, he signed a contract uh, or a uh, franchise tag a non-exclusive franchise tag, and so he looks like he's back for next season, barring a trade of some sorts here. We know the cap's going up next year, but with no one yet to pay Patrick Mahomes, that seems like it's going to be tough to imagine Chris Jones's future being in uh, Kansas City for much longer than maybe beyond next year. I know, and, and it sucks because we want to hold on to him. We, we can't not have Chris Jones. I mean, he made such an impact on the defense like how do we even talk about the Chiefs defense without him it just seems unreal to think about him not even being a chief right so I hope we can figure something out to where he can stay with us long term I mean I know we have to pay Mahomes but hopefully they were planning for that all along so we can uh you know move some people around and figure some things out to be able to keep um Chris Jones I'd like to keep him on the yeah and uh Anthony Sherman got an extension so good to see sausage staying around yeah no doubt uh Sammy Watkins uh still trying to figure out his situation that'd be huge if they can find a way to keep him around for a bit yeah especially looking at the Super Bowl I just rewatched it a few days ago but I did too yes big plays that he made I mean um if we can I mean I would like to hold on to everyone but obviously we can't do that (laughs) but um I'm a Sammy Watkins fan, so I'd like to see him stay if there's some way we can um, maybe rework his contract and keep him. He's just a big um, 
big weapon that the offense has. Sure. They don't want to go. Sure, sure. Uh, that'd be great to see if they can figure that out. Um, when uh, when you look at the Chiefs and the AFC, who do you think uh, now that the Patriots are essentially gone? Who do you think is their biggest threat moving forward uh, for that AFC crown? Oh, uh, I would still say the Ravens. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, just with Lamar Jackson over there. I mean, that, I feel like him and Mahomes are going to go, you know, head to head every single time. So I think the way they've built up their team too, I think that'll be. Um, you know, the Chiefs' biggest challenge. And, you know, now you talked about uh, Brady not being with the Patriots anymore. I think the Ravens are going to be the main focus. I think so, too. Lamar's got to win a playoff game. Hasn't done that in his career yet. But <laughs> I do think playoff wins are uh, within his future there. Uh, Absolutely. Next season uh, should be fun to see how this all unfolds. You got the draft to get to first. Uh, what, what do you think in there? What, what are the Chiefs you think their next focus needs to be as far as getting this team better than what they were a season ago? Um, well, I would say maybe a running back, maybe a cornerback. I don't don't know. And then, um, I have to kind of look and follow along, uh, all this coronavirus is throwing everyone off, but, um, the chiefs have been making so many different moves and I'm trying to keep up with everything, but, um, you know, Kendall Fuller left, he went to the Redskins. So, um, he's a big person that will have to, you know, fill, uh, that spot. But, um, I don't know. I think our, I think still picking up people on the defense is, is going to be the way to go. And then mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'm just anxious to see what they're going to even do with this draft here in a couple of weeks. Um, there's been so much talk about it and ex- yeah. you know, extending it seven days and and you know doing one round each day. So I, I'm anxious to see what they do. It, it'll be one to watch. For yeah, sure. I think so. I think so. Uh, you mentioned coronavirus. You've been covering that, uh, man. <laughs> Oh my gosh! You know, I, I got to tell you, and you know, it was a couple weeks ago, and it feels like a month ago. That Big Twelve tournament there in Kansas City, and uh, I, I met with uh, Bob Bowlesby, the Big Twelve commissioner, and Quentin Lucas, who I'm sure you've spoken to a million times. Yeah. Uh, the uh, mayor of Kansas City, and this was the day before uh, the they originally announced there was going to be no fans. And at the time, you know, we felt like there was something something was going on. But I had no idea, here we are, what is it, two, three weeks later that we would be at this point. This thing has escalated not only just in our region, but just around the world so fast here in a couple of weeks where this thing's taken off. You know, and, and when you talk about the Big 12, um, we were planning, you know, everything as normal. We had all kinds of coverage around the Big 12. Um, but as soon as the NBA made their announcement that they were – you know, postponing for the time being. I I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when the NCAA would kind of follow suit. So first we saw, um, you know, the Big 12, they made that um, they made that exception for the Oklahoma State uh, game and then the Kansas State game where they had some fans come in that first night. And then the next day it was, you know, we're going to play with no fans. And, I mean, I can't remember. I think it was right before 3 o'clock in the afternoon, word came down they were going to go ahead and, and uh, you know, cancel the tournament, and then the NCAA tournament. Um, but since then, I mean, just to see the numbers that um, you know are popping up of cases in Missouri and Kansas, um, it, it doesn't appear that it's slowing down, um, which is is you know kind of scary to to say. Um, but I think people really need to take it seriously. And and when when we talk about social distancing, uh, you know, washing your hands, mm-hmm. things that people really need pay attention to so we can slow this thing down because i know you are probably one that is wanting sports to come back oh, you yes. know? 
we we need it um and now opening day tomorrow not happening i mean there's just so many things that we're missing out on so um i think people just need to take responsibility right thing so we can get back to normal get the sports going again hopefully baseball season uh you know will happen soon right yeah hopefully i think there's probably going to be a period of no no fans for a bit and then eventually try to get things back to normal but you know, obviously the first thought comes to mind is the way the sports world was affected, but then the way that these numbers, uh, even locally, have just gone up so much from, it, it seemed like it was first a problem about events and gatherings of people. Now right. that we've gotten to the point of people shouldn't even be leaving their own homes, I don't, I don't know about you, Mackenzie, I never thought I would see the day we would ever get to this point and not be in some type of war of some sorts, that this is a, a virus that's that's doing this. It seemed unbelievable, even unimaginable a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's so crazy. I mean, I, I could expect like some things where, um, you know... It, all the health concerns. So like we talk a lot about like the elderly people um, or people that have underlying health conditions, maybe they should be um, sure. you know, a little more careful, but then, you know, the stay at home order was announced just last Saturday. Um, you know, I interviewed uh, Kansas city mayor, Quint Lucas, and I was kind of shocked that this was happening in all of our uh, major counties around the Metro, but then actually looking um, kind of deeper into the numbers and how everything has been, um, you know, spreading mm -hmm. just across the country, but even in our area, um, I, I do feel it's necessary and it is needed to keep everyone um, away from each other. But I mean, like you said, it is scary just to think, you know, we're not leaving our, our homes to, um, you know, do anything that's not essential. Um, we're not even going to work. Weird. Right. You know, we're, we're working remotely, <laughs> things like that. It's just so odd. And, and who would have thought that this was where we would be? I mean, it just happened so quickly. In a matter of weeks, we went from, okay, a couple cases, you know, keep an eye on this, to now everyone stay at home and don't, you know, don't be within six feet of another person. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, so tell me this, what's, uh, what, what's been the, the coverage like for you? Because you, you mentioned you're not going in the newsroom. I'm sure this is around the clock. Every day it's a different coronavirus story of some sorts. I mean, this has got to be just nuts, I imagine, what you and the rest of the, uh, the news team are going through right now. Honestly, we are working pretty much nonstop because when we're working remotely and we're working from home, I mean, there's not much else we can be doing. So it's not like you go to work and you leave work there. You're right. just constantly surrounded by it, checking your phone, checking your email. Um, but like you said, every story is what kind of story can we tell today that is related to coronavirus or is going to you know impact the community in a way or what what can we tell them that they don't don't already know or um you know is going to help them through this time um and the story i actually did today there was a, a 28 year old Kansas city guy has coronavirus and you know we've talked a lot about the younger generation like they're not as susceptible to getting this um but that's not true and i feel like um, certain groups are just not taking it seriously. And so to be able to tell his story when he's, you know, trying to tell the community, hey, you can get it and, you know, be careful and be responsible, things like that. So um, it's just something new every day. And the cases, I mean, are they're just increasing every 30 minutes. I swear we have a new number. Um, so it's just it's around the clock. A lot of coronavirus coverage. I have no idea when we'll go back to 
um, you know, regular news coverage, which right. is kind of crazy. Um, but this is our new normal. So we're trying to do the best that we can and, and inform the public and hopefully, you know, bring some positivity to them, but also bring them the information that they need. You know, I've always joked about how, you know, man, I would love to work from home, you know, get to roll out of my bed and just go to work, whatever. When this all ends, I cannot wait to get back to my office and just settle back to some normalcy of some sorts. I mean, this has been uh, nuts. All of us have had to adjust. I mean, whether you've been directly infected by this virus or not, it, it has not... Uh, n- not not affected anybody. I mean, everyone in right. some way, shape, or form has been, their lives have been changed by this. And a lot of people, you know, we talk about working from home, but, you know, we're kind of blessed in a sense that, you know, our jobs are continuing, right. where a lot of people have been put out of work or, um, you know, are, are thankfully being paid, you know, for the time off, but will return, you know, once the stay-at-home order um, concludes. But, I mean, servers, um, you know, people that... Uh, are not technically essential jobs, like for them to have to close down. I mean, just to see that it's really sad. So, um, you know, while it is a lot and we are working around the clock, I do feel, um, you know, blessed to continue to do my job and not be, um, you know, in some of the situations that other people are having to deal with right now. So with with that being said, I know you're not having much free time, but with not getting to watch sports, what what are you watching uh, when when you do to get a chance? Do you have any Netflix shows or or you you playing any games? What what are you doing to pass the time while while this goes on? So when I'm not working, I have been trying to get outside um, and still be active. So I've been going to a high school that's nearby um, my home and getting out there and running around the track and doing different workouts. But um, really you know, trying to find shows to watch. I will say everyone has been talking about love is blind. I watched. I haven't seen that one episode and I can't, I can't, can't watch it. I've been, uh, I've been all over this tiger King series. That's okay. I need to watch the first episode of that because everyone about that today and I have yet to see it. So, uh, why should I watch it? Uh, Joe Exotic, that's all I need to say, almost. Uh, I had, I'll, I'll tell you this, and I don't want to spoil too much for you, but um, I, I had a feeling tiger people were crazy. I had no idea that they were this crazy. And not just this Joe Exotic guy, like around the country, there is not a sane person that works with tigers in America, or let alone the world, and basically you got to see exactly how bizarre it is. Okay, I'll have to check this one out and report back to you. But other than that, I've honestly just been waiting for Friday to come around because Ozark three comes out on Netflix, and that's what I'm gonna binge. I've, I've told uh, I've been told good things about Ozark. I haven't watched yet. Um, well, you you have plenty of time at home. Now absolutely, to, uh, I have no excuse. <laughs> I have no excuse not to watch anything. Uh, uh, now's the time of catching up on any shows or movies, getting my demo reels caught up on. Um, all those things right now. Uh, there's no better time like the present uh, to uh, get those things done. I, I am uh, one of my tasks right now with kids is I'm finishing up, and I almost seem sound embarrassed to say it's taken me this long. I'm just now finishing up the office. Okay. It's it, it's been a while, um, but uh, I mean we we work in sports, so that's all I watch. And so now I'm finally catching up on all these things. So I was gonna say, what do you do since you're not covering you know every single game that's going on? I know it's uh, it's the office, it's this Tiger King, 
Um, and then, you know, of course, like you, like the rest of you guys keeping up on this coronavirus Dutch, uh, whether watching local news or cable news or whatever, just trying to find out what's going on. These, these briefings every day with, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Fauci or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, just fascinating to hear what those experts say every day. No, I mean, I, I just don't know when it's going to end, you know, <laughs> when, when is the end coming? For, when can we uh, wake up from this bad dream? Right. And that's what it seems like is it, you know, 2020 started out really nice for us. You know, chiefs were doing well. We had a lot to look forward to. And then here we are in this weird time and who knows what's next. Right. Um, exactly. So one of the things that it interrupted was March Madness, of course, as we mentioned. And right. Kansas was the going to be the number one overall seed and everything. So, um, kids, I'll give you an opportunity to make some friends uh, on the Kansas side. Uh, wh- wh- how do you think they should recognize, maybe remember this uh, Kansas team? Oh, man. Um, I'm not a KU fan, so you are asking the wrong person. No. Um, See, that's why I'm giving you the opportunity. Make some friends here. You know, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I've seen a lot of things going around, a lot of KU fans talking about um, they should be able to have the um, you know national championship title, but I'm not for that. Um, <laughs> So, not just because I'm not a KU fan, but I just feel like, how can you say that KU are the national champions when the tournament was completely canceled? And it's called March Madness for a reason. Like, there's upsets every single round. So, I mean, not saying that KU would have been knocked out early or anything like that. I'm not trying to be a hater. But um, that's why we watch it, is because it's so unpredictable. And so, I just feel like crowning them the national champions i just i i don't know i i don't i don't support that okay fair <laughs> fair are, are, are you by chance an mu fan i'm not so i'm a k-state fan oh so okay with all of this talk too i mean um you know oklahoma state who had a horrible record kansas state who was the last in the big 12, they won you know their first game in the big 12 tournament so you know we could say hey you know had they played that second round, like they could have upset KU Baylor. <laughs> you never know. That, who knows? Right. Right. But, I mean, that, I just feel like that's an example of why UK okay, we're going to go ahead and crown them because who knows what would have happened. I didn't even expect K-State to win that first game. And sure. And if they did, wow, I'm surprised. Sure, sure. Uh, I've said if they don't get recognized by somebody as the national champion, put a banner up that says undisputed number one. Um, Because they're number one every poll. Recognize that. Just give them some way to, I mean, there's no way this team shouldn't get some recognition of some sorts. Let this season go to the wayside. Uh, Maybe put like an asterisk next to (laughs) national champions. Maybe. (laughs) Put uh, COVID 19 at the bottom. The real national champion. The biggest upset of the NCAA tournament ever was not UMBC, it was COVID 19. Uh, (laughs) So you're a K Stater. How'd you become a K State fan? You know, uh, all my family went to K-State, so okay. I would have gone to K-State if they had a broadcast program at the time, but they did not. So um, I've always been a K-State fan. Was you know, I grew up going to all the games. We had season tickets to football, basketball. I went to all the girls' basketball camps. Um, so I'm just a big, big K-Stater. I love Manhattan. Um, you know, Bill Snyder was, you know, one of the greatest coaches. I loved watching, you know, him coach and um, – yeah, I just have I just have a lot of ties to to Kansas State, so I'm a Wildcat. There you go. I like K State personally. I'm not one of these KU people that hates K State at all. Um, 
you know, Bill Snyder, just the utmost respect, he and Chris Kleiman both, and the way those programs have been run, and and uh, and, and so friendly there. Everybody in Manhattan, uh, just contagious, you know, how that is. And so I love Manhattan. You know, a lot of people like to compare Columbia, Manhattan, and Lawrence, um, you know, but I'm biased. I love Manhattan, and then I love Columbia. So KU is just down on my list of all things. Okay. that's <laughs> We'll work on that. We'll, we'll show you around a bit. Come to, I'll show you around the right places. Now, would uh, you Lawrence. have followed KU um, on their, you know... Yes, yes. Uh, I should be in Houston right now. Oh, yes. man. Um, but it is what it is, as they say. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was unfortunate. But uh, K-State, I, I will say, uh, I'll give credit one more thing to Manhattan here. The uh, Those varsity donuts are the best I've ever had. <laughs> that's one of the best places. <laughs> yes. That that's and, uh, got to go. Anyone that has never been to Manhattan, go there. Yes, uh, that and uh, Lamar's, and somehow Lawrence missed out on both those things. So, mm-hmm. See, uh, that's why you got to go to Manhattan. I know it's two hours away, but still. Worth a drive, worth a drive. <laughs> uh, Mackenzie, uh, where could people follow your work? And I know that you got so much going on with COVID-19 and some of these other things. Uh, where, uh, where's the best way for people to reach you and, and see what you got going on? So uh, my stories, I I always post to my social media pages. So I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. um, But also, you know, all of our stories are at KSHB.com. So anything coronavirus, we have a whole page dedicated to it. You can find all my stories there. um, Or just, you know, look me up on social media, Mackenzie Nelson, and uh, I've got you covered. Awesome stuff. Mackenzie, uh, a a very diverse discussion that you will not find anywhere else than right here on the Jones Report. Thanks for stopping by, and we'll uh, have to do this again down the line. Yeah, thanks for having me. Big thanks to Mackenzie Nelson for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now. Let's move on and talk about the National Football League as the offseason continues. And Cam Newton, we knew that he was not going to be the starter next year in Carolina after They signed Teddy Bridgewater, and they gave him permission to seek a trade. He said that he didn't want to be traded, that he wanted to stay in Carolina. And what do you know? They had no pursuiters out there. No one was, uh, no suitors. No one was interested in Cam on that front uh, with his big contract. So he was released, and the Panthers had to eat up all that money that they owed him. So now you have a guy like Cam Newton who I still think can play. I think Cam's a talented quarterback. He's got a great arm. He can move around very well. Um, He he just gets injured. Uh, He's been injury prone as of late. If you can get Cam to be healthy, Tom, I think this guy could still be a Pro Bowl quarterback at this point in his career. He's, what, 29, 30 years old? I I still think that he's got some football left in him. It wasn't that long ago that he played in a Super Bowl. And you think about a team like the Chargers who needs a quarterback. You get him on a, a pretty team-friendly deal. Maybe New England. I wouldn't rule that out as a possibility of him playing for Belichick. We've seen how Belichick can revive players and give them uh, a boost in their careers when things go down. Uh, Cam Newton, if if he's right in the head, if he's there mentally, um, I think Cam Newton could still be successful in this league. Who do you think... Uh, would be a good fit for Cam, and do you think he can still play? I really do think he can still play. And, you know, the the Panthers, the way they did Cam Newton and the whole deal, I mean, they I didn't see any thank you, thanks, Cam, thanks for the memories, nothing when this first came out. Just a single lone tweet that said, Panthers have released Cam Newton. 
And then the, I was reading the Twitter thread. Fans were freaking out. I mean, they were losing their minds. Essentially, if you if you want to think about this, or if you want to put this in perspective, you know, Panthers expansion team. I uh, haven't been around long enough, but not that long. Cam Newton's probably the most important player in the whole history. And you could say Keekley, you could say Olsen. Steve Smith. You could say, yeah, you could say Steve Smith. But then someone said, well, Steve Smith probably would decline. Huh. Um, right? And then someone even mentioned, they were like, put some respect on Jake DeLone's name. Uh, which is, that's fair too. Um, but, I mean, arguably, Cam has all the records. Uh, I mean... He he's done and he's given uh, to that Carolina organization, um, and the way they just said goodbye, I just thought it was not very classy at all. Another thing, Matt Rule said he wanted Cam Newton. He wanted to coach Cam Newton. Obviously, that is not true. Uh, maybe because they could get Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know. Um, that being said, Cam could go to New England, and I think he could thrive there. Uh, I think likely though I, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame the Chargers for wanting to go after Cam. Yeah, I mean, let's say that you get the team friendly deal. Um, Philip Rivers he got paid by the Colts in that contract that they gave him. It was around what twenty five thirty million dollars. If you're the Chargers and you could get Cam on the cheap, as opposed to re signing Rivers, and what you saw from Philip Rivers last year was not impressive at all. Uh, give me Cam Newton every day. I mean, the prospects of Cam Newton have totally changed within the last week. If you were asking me if I want to trade for Cam Newton, absolutely not. There's no value in that. I don't want to trade for Cam, and the rest of the league showed that. They weren't interested in that. But you get Cam as a free agent on a team-friendly deal, I think this is a steal. Maybe the biggest steal of this entire free agency is to get Cam Newton on the cheap. Maybe you're a team that is rebuilding, and you can give Cam the time to fully recover and make sure he's healthy. If you're in that situation where you don't need him maybe immediately at the start of the season, uh, that might be the more ideal way to go. Maybe if you're New England, you you give Stidham a shot. Uh, Maybe Cam's not quite 100%. You give Stidham a shot, and then you have a really good second option there in a cam. I would hate to see him be a backup. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think this could really play out. Cam could find himself in a good spot when this is all said and done. Yeah, I think so. And, and I think he still has a lot of life left with him. And, and if he does go to New England, uh, I mean, that might be your best bet. Uh, I mean, you know, they're in kind of an awkward place. Cam's in an awkward place. Uh, I mean, this could work out for both parties. Yeah, it could. Uh, Jameis Winston is a uh, free agent, and apparently Bruce Arians uh, liked Jameis. He just liked Tom Brady better. He's been trying to convince other coaches around the league to give Jameis a look. He's been looking out for him and everything. Um, you know, Jameis is not going to get the $30 million he wanted. At this point, he would be lucky just to be a starter. There's not very many starting jobs. There's 32 in this league. And with all those interceptions that Jameis threw last year, he's probably going to have to start on the bench somewhere next year at this point in time. Tom, um, Jameis, do you think he can be a starter for somebody? And if not, who do you think would be a good fit for him to find a backup job somewhere? You know, if if Tannehill can go from the Dolphins to ride the bench behind Mariota, 
and then Mar- and then obviously getting the starting job in Tennessee. I think James Winston could do the same thing. I think he could be on a bench somewhere for maybe a little bit and then pop back up. And maybe it's not out of the realm of possibility that James Winston may be finding mid-season home uh, in Pittsburgh, maybe. Uh, you know, and Mason Rudolph maybe not doing so hot. Uh, we'll see how big Big Ben does coming back, but his time is about done. Uh, you know, you got Duck that had, you know, a relatively good run for what it was worth, but, I mean, he's going to find a home somewhere. Yeah, I think he will find a home. Um, you know, if he can go to somewhere with good receivers and a good line, um, you know, who knows? Uh, the, the thing that lost it on me, Tom, was Bruce Arians is a quarterback guru, a whisperer. He got the most out of uh, Big Ben and Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer. You go on down the line. Uh, he's been terrific with the quarterbacks he's worked with. If Bruce Arians said no on Jameis, if Bruce Arians couldn't get the interceptions out of him, I don't know who can. I think he can be a good backup. He could play a couple games and, and win you some. But I would not trust Jameis to be my starter. Um I like the idea of him as a backup, but a starter, that really has a lot of question marks for me, the idea of Jameis Winston being a full-time starter in this league. I mean, it was five years he had in Tampa Bay, and uh, he couldn't get the interceptions out of his system and didn't do better than 7-9. and nine. Right, that's true. I mean, the Bruce Arians thing kind of says something, but you could also get Tom Brady, and you also didn't want to pay Jameis probably what he wanted. Um, and so I think for James Winston, he's going to have to take a shorter cut uh, on a, on any deal that he does get. Um, so I I mean I think for that I mean he's going to have to settle somewhere. Right, right. He, he will have to settle somewhere and not get what uh, what he was hoping for there. Um, with that being said, uh, the other big move this week was uh, Todd Gurley, uh, who you saw many years there with the Rams, a uh, big hit. Uh, of him leaving uh, the, the Rams, you know, them releasing him and having to pay him all that money he was owed. And now for him to make this move over to the Falcons, for the Falcons' sake, what they spent on him, I like it for the Falcons. I don't know if Todd's got anything left. I mean, he's still dealing with arthritis. Uh, he hasn't been the same player really as of late, you know, in this last year and a half or so. Um, I get that for Todd Gurley. Um, but what they did to get him, uh, I feel good if I'm Atlanta. If I'm the Rams, and, and, and Tom, you being a Rams fan, I'm, I'm sure you're feeling this right now, this has got to suck that you gave all that money to Todd, and now there's nothing to show for it. Right, yeah, and that's just like the Jeff Fisher Rams is what I called that move. Uh, I mean, they could have, I think they could have, I don't know what they could have done. I don't, I wouldn't be that good with money. Than that much, and that'd be a hard decision to make. But at the end of the day, it was a decision that needed to be done because, I mean, it, I don't know how much is left in the Todd Gurley tank. But for the Falcons, you know, another, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Not calling Todd Gurley trash, he meant a lot to the Rams. And I was a fan, still am a fan. But uh, at the end of the day, it's business, and, you know, they had to figure something out. I mean, they couldn't just let him get that. Ten point five million that he was going to be additionally owed the next the next day, right? 
Right, that's a great point. Uh, XFL, XFL players were finally freed to sign with NFL teams this week. Uh, that got worked out. And the first of those, uh, friend of the show, Diana Rossini, was able to break this story. Uh, P.J. Walker, the star quarterback for the Houston Roughnecks, who probably would have been the MVP of the league had they played a complete season. Uh, they called him MVPJ. He was terrific. You know, he's 5'11". He led the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns, and they were 5-0. and This Roughnecks team was awesome, and people were comparing P.J. It may sound ridiculous, but they called him the Patrick Mahomes of the XFL. This guy could run everywhere. He had a great arm, had a cannon, very accurate as well. I mean, P.J. was awesome. He's headed to Carolina, and yes, you have Kyle Allen and Will Greer there. Um, and Kyle Allen wasn't bad in his time uh, filling in for Cam. He wasn't terrible. Could have been worse. Will Greer was bad, though. Um, the rumor is that they're going to clear the quarterback room completely, that Greer is out and Allen's out, and P.J. Walker is going to be the number two quarterback. Um, you know, if you're cleaning house, like I don't mind Kyle Allen as the number two quarterback. I don't. Um, but if you're going to go ahead and say, you know what, we're clearing the quarterback room, I, I would be hard-pressed to find a, uh, a better option than uh, for a price tag anyway than, uh, than P.J. Walker to be number two quarterback. I think this is a steal because you pay him the minimum. He's not making that much money. It's a multi-year deal. And the talent right there, he's got all the natural ability, all the skills they, they found a diamond in the rut, and they don't have to pay hardly anything for him, and there's no expectations either. Uh, it's just, you know, hey, if something happens to Teddy, be ready to go. And then not to mention the system. You have a guy in PJ that's going to play the same exact style as Teddy, um, you know, a, a guy that can run, uh, that, that can throw the football. You don't have to change the system for him. To me, this seems like a natural fit. This I love this move by Matt Rule to go bring in P.J. Walker. Right, and you know someone was going to give him a chance. Had it not been the Panthers, he was getting picked up somewhere. And maybe it made the most sense for him to go ahead and sign with the Panthers. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what the XFL continues to do. And if it, you know, I don't know if they want to turn into the G League of sorts or the tryout league for the NFL, but, I mean, you know, that's what it's going to come down to, at least for the first couple of years, given the amount of money you can make in each league. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who else goes, and, you know, next year when we get a full year of this XFL, uh, you know, who else will, you know, take the place of P.J. Walker and, and step up to the plate and be the, the XFL's new shiny star. Yeah, well, it won't be Jordan Tayamu of the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks. He's also headed to the NFL, joining the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs, of course, uh, already have Chad Henney backing up Mahomes. They gave him a new deal last week. But Tayamu is expected to compete with Henney to be the number two quarterback, uh, if not be the number three, you know, practice squad quarterback of sorts. And... You know, I would have rather the Chiefs gone after, uh, you know, P.J. Walker, obviously. Um, but Tayamu, you know, is the second-best option, and Walker got a better opportunity in Carolina. He knows he's going to be the number two guy. Um, you know, so I, I get that. But Tayamu, this was a guy that, with St. Louis, 
He was very accurate. He led the league in completion percentage. Um, you know, they were they were three and two. He had a good quarterback rating. He had over a thousand yards in those five games. Um, Tiavo, a, a good quarterback in his own right, with that live game experience. Um, you know, you would hate for the day to come if Patrick and Chad Henney got hurt, uh, or you know, even just Patrick for that matter. But if if it ever got to that point where Tayamo saw the field, Tom, that's huge for them to have a guy that has pro football experience that's played well at a, at a pretty good level in the XFL. Right, yeah, and, and, and it be recent, too. You know, a lot of these second-string quarterbacks are, you know, haven't, haven't seen the field or have spent the same amount of time holding the clipboard since they last played in an actual, you know, game that meant something. Um, and so... For him, yeah, great opportunity. Doesn't have to go too far, just a little further west, and he's uh, in his new spot. So you know, it's always great. You know, for you know, you hear those stories and see these guys get another opportunity. Uh, you know, whether it be the XFL to the NFL, or even you know some of the G League stories we hear coming from the G League up to the NBA. Uh, those are always feel good stories. Yeah, other moves by the Chiefs. Uh, they uh, re-signed Anthony Sherman. They're uh, Pro Bowl fullback, who has been so lethal and important, the sausage, as they call him. Um, you know, we talk so much about the skill position players uh, in Kansas City with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, um, you know, and, and Sammy Watkins and going on down the line. Anthony Sherman, this guy at the fullback spot, he is so utilized for a fullback. Um, you've heard people say that the fullback position is dead and whatnot. The, the Chiefs get the most they can out of Sherman. He can block like heck. He can still run the ball if he's asked to. He can catch if he, he's asked to as well. Um, it was important for the Chiefs to keep Sherman around a lot more than I think people realize, Tom. Right, yeah, and Mike Allstock, you know, bless him, you know, he would – he would fight for Sherman for sure to say that fullback will never die. Uh, you know, our good friend Mike Allstott, who I wish had a form of communication so we could get him on the show. Um, that being said, yeah, I mean, you got to, you know, pay your guys that, you know, that might not get a whole lot of, you know, screen time, I guess. If they're, you know, I don't know what the term would be. Not very flashy and is okay with his role, but does an equally important job as everybody else on the team, that's Sherman. Right, right. That that was huge uh, for him. Sammy Watkins uh, trying to figure out his future in Kansas City. If he is cut, which will be the most likely situation, and here's why. If they cut him now, then his uh, contract is void. They don't owe him a single penny if they cut him now. Um, and then, essentially what you do, if you cut him now, you can still restructure. You can bring him back on a cheaper contract. And, you know, maybe it's in the range of 7 to $10 million instead of the 15 he's making right now. Um, th- this is a deal where Sammy is older in his career. And th- the way you evaluate these, these players, Tom, with these contracts especially in the NFL. This is where the NFL gets it right as opposed to maybe the NBA or, uh, or Major League Baseball is. You are getting paid for what you have left, not for the work you've done. And for Sammy Watkins, you can see the, lim- the window left for him is limited of what he can do the rest of his career and all the injuries that he's, he's suffered. 
Um, you know, if you can get him on a two-year deal, pay him somewhere between seven or ten million dollars. That's great. You don't pay him fifteen million dollars uh, again because he's a Super Bowl champion now because he had a good playoff run. You pay him what he's worth going forward, and if he's not willing to play for for seven to ten million dollars, uh, go elsewhere. Go draft a receiver of some sorts, uh, Sammy. That would be a good value if you can convince him to take that team discount. That's great. Um, but otherwise, uh, it's time to move on and cut your losses and run. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that that he, you know, if he wants to be a team guy and take a team deal and be back with the team with a great quarterback that can get him the ball, uh, then he'll you know have to take the cut. Uh, I mean, and at this point, what's what's five million dollars? Uh, I mean, sure. I mean, it depends on how much you want to be a contender. I guess if you want to go somewhere. Uh, where, you know, you can make all that money but not sniff the playoffs, uh, then by all means go chase that. If you want to continue with the team and continue with the chemistry and, you know, you have a great quarterback that can get you the ball, um, then take that $5 million cut and re-sign for $10 million a year. Well, now with the Chiefs having a Super Bowl and proving that they're going to be the contender, uh, you know, the team to beat in the AFC for a long time now, Tom, I would think that whether it's Sammy Watkins or maybe some other players down the line, uh, they're going to have some opportunities for some team-friendly deals that other teams might not have. Um, you know, Missouri, you know, Kansas, that Kansas City area is a very cheap place to live, relatively speaking, compared to the rest of the country. Um, you are a small market, though, so you do have that going against you, but a chance to win a Super Bowl, you know, knowing they've already won a Super Bowl and a pretty cheap place to live, uh, with that in mind, you would have to think that going forward, the, the Chiefs have opportunities uh, to get guys to, to take a discount, to be a part of this team that's, that's building something here. Right, yeah. I mean, that's just with any team that can be a contender. I mean, we saw it with the Golden State Warriors, and we've seen it with the Lakers this year just getting players who, you know, might want to ring or might have that chance or, you know, will take a cut um, and, and do those sort of events. Uh, or I'm sorry, not events. Take those type of deals to go contend for a Super Bowl. Right. And we saw that already with them uh, re-signing Mike Pinnell uh, as a defensive tackle uh, to stay around uh, when he could have gone elsewhere and probably made some more money and some of these other deals of sorts uh, where they stand right now. But uh, good moves for the Chiefs so far to this point and uh, free agency almost in the books. Got to figure out what to do with Sammy. And then from from there, uh, it's time to get ready for the NFL draft to uh, try to do some uh, good moves again. And as of right now, the Chiefs have a first-round pick which is uh, the first time in quite some time that they've had a a first-round pick. Not too many first-round picks as of late for the Chiefs uh, with the trades that they've made for Patrick Mahomes and Frank Clark and and others there. We will move on. Before we get out of here today, Tom, it is time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, where are we heading? Jones, this week we are going to out to Cali. And obviously, with all this mess going on, you knew it was going to be related to the coronavirus and so article reads from fox40.com shredded t-shirts used as toilet paper back up california city sewer 
Redding, California, a northern California city, is asking residents not to use T-shirts as toilet paper as panicked customers exhaust toilet paper aisles nationwide in response to the coronavirus. COR Wastewater Management responded to a sewer backup from shredded T-shirts being used in place of toilet paper. Sitting in the city of Redding tweeted Thursday, Remember, if you use anything other than toilet paper, bag it. Don't flush it. Wastewater management employees worked Wednesday night to clear the strips of T-shirt behind the clog at a lift station, according to Reading Records Searchlight. Officials warned that just because something will flush, it doesn't mean it will pass through the system. Paper towels, tissues, napkins, rags, and disposable wipes, even those that advertise as being flushable, can damage and clog lines, sending sewage back up into people's homes. For anyone forced to use something other than toilet paper, the city has one request, bag it. Jones, I knew we were getting to this. Oh my gosh. I knew it was going to come down to this. So wait, you're you're meaning to tell me that even the flushable wipes, uh, the toilet paper wipes of some sorts, are not really flushable. That we could probably sue them for uh, for something and win. I mean, I'm sure they're flushable because it'll flush, but that doesn't mean that it won't clog the system. So technically, maybe there's a loophole um, there, but. I got a, I knew that this was going to come to this. Uh, the people buying up all the toilet paper, and so instead, people are wiping their butt with shredded T-shirts and then flushing that down. It's like if it, you know, if it comes down to it, just for one, if you're going to do it, yeah, bag it and then th- toss it in the trash, or B, just get in the shower and you know do what you got to do. Or Jones, all this could be fixed if Americans were like the Europeans. And used a bidet or a bidet, however you say that word, um, you know, and, and cleaned that way. Um, but we have resorted to use to be using T-shirts now uh, in light of everybody, you know, going doing this and buying up all this toilet paper. Now, Tom, couldn't I, uh, you know, use? Uh use some Kleenex maybe, or are there some other alternatives? What can I use that would flush down? Would Kleenex go down? I think Kleenex would be fine. I feel like those would just be a little pricey. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've been guilty of using a a paper towel and flushing it. Right. You know, I I think everybody has. You know, if you can't take a shower, literally, you could just not wipe. Uh, you know, Joe Exotic says he doesn't wear underwear. Um, you <laughs> could just right, not wipe and then just throw it in the laundry. True. You could do that. I, mean, I guess it depends on uh, if it's like wiping a Sharpie or not. How soon till people start wearing adult diapers now as an alternative? Oh, I hope we don't get to that. Oh, I think we're getting to that, Tom. I'm calling it right now. You think? We'll just start getting into diapers and then people will just... Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get we'll get Depends to sponsor KLWN, and we'll be KLWN Depends on it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think you should have already made that call. Oh, I, I've been saying that for years, that we need to be that. Uh, KLWN Depends on it. That would just roll off the tongue and would be great if, if we were that way. It's just natural. Right, and then you could have, you know, your own KLWN diaper that you wouldn't even, you could go 
full coverage, not even have to take a commercial break because you could just pee your pants right there live on air. Exactly. Exactly. Right. It'd be perfect. It. It'd be perfect. I, I would be all in. Uh, depends. Please call us uh, if you so wish, and uh, we would be glad to have you uh, a part of the show uh, if you can. But, yeah, this uh, th- this whole ordeal, the-, the toilet paper thing, has just gotten crazy and crazy, and it doesn't seem like that there's any going back at this point. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, going to be some crazy stuff, especially now we talked about it. Just, I'm just reading United States surpasses China and coronavirus cases now leads the world. You know, we always want to be number one in everything, and now we are. Um, and instead of using toilet paper, we're going to be using old T-shirts. Maybe I'll have to go find my old OU shirt somewhere deep down in the closet and cut now, that up and start using now, it. Now, Tom, isn't if you're at someone else's house, and I guess this wouldn't be the case since everybody's staying at home in their own ho- own homes, but isn't the ultimate power move when you clog someone else's toilet? Oh, it's the worst moment of your life when you think it could be clogged because then you're thinking oh man but if you do it to somebody else that's a power move right there may i would rather clog my own toilet than clog somebody else's unless it'd be a public toilet then i wouldn't necessarily care i still might care just because i'd feel bad for whoever who's got to deal with it but that'd be like if i came over and clogged your toilet at your house i'd be like all right sorry john's uh gotta, gotta go back gotta go back home and then you would feel like that you were you, at least if I did that, if I clogged your toilet, Tom, I felt like I would have claimed my dominance over you. No, I don't know about that, because then it'd be like if I clogged your toilet and then Charlie went in there to use it. Right. The brown, the brown did not flush down. The brown did not flush down. Yeah, that would be uh, that would not be good. Um, that's why you always got to keep a plunger next to it. Uh, keep that in mind. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, Tom, a uh, little inside baseball. Maybe I'm telling too much here. But uh, growing up, like, our toilet was not a very good toilet. And, uh, like, <laughs> we would, you know, just take one dump and boom, the thing would be clogged. And so my sister and I, we learned pretty quickly at a young age how to clog a toilet. Uh, that was one of the first things we learned as kids growing up. Well, there you go. You just... Learn how to use the plunger at a young age. Right. And uh, we, we didn't become plumbers, though, believe it or not. There's still time. Plumbers make good money, man. And, and like, they do. You, you want to talk about essential jobs and everything, like, right now? Like, the plumbing business is probably not suffering. At least, it, where they are probably suffering is the fact that people probably can't afford them right now. You know, a lot of folks. But the service is still necessary. It's still needed. Right, exactly. I mean, you're being paid to deal with other people's shit. <laughs> and, I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm still paid to do the same thing, but on a different plane. I get tired um, of dealing with my own of that stuff. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Then have to deal with everyone else's? else's? No thanks. Exactly. I'm out That's on that. That's why they make so that good money. Right. That's why they make that money. Oh, God bless your local Kawita plumber. Yeah, go thank your uh, your your Dewey plumber and uh, and tell them <laughs> that uh, you appreciate their service and hope that they have a great day. Thank a plumber today. 
<laughs> right here at Tyler Jones. Straight from Tyler Jones to you. Yes. We are a pro plumber podcast. We are we are pro many things, and we are now officially a pro plumber podcast. So we salute you plumbers out there, and we thank you for listening to the Jones Report today. That does it for us. Big thanks to Mackenzie Nelson for stopping by and uh, hanging out on uh, the Jones Report this week. Make sure to follow her on uh, all her social media. She does great work there in Kansas City, and we appreciate her joining us today. And uh, as always, you can uh, subscribe to the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Twitter.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, uh, Tyler Jones Media Group, uh, and Thomas underscore Bridges. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, and uh, Instagram at Tyler Jones Live, at Insta Thomas, and Jones underscore Report is where you can find us there. And I look forward to next week. We are uh, working on some big things. When we know, we will let you know. How about that? Um, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Is that a good way to put it, Tom? When we know, the folks will know. I think so. In the meantime, I'm going to be harassed in the Grady County Jail. Right. So you can kind of connect the dots there because we are connected dots guys. And we're working on something. So if we can get it done next week, by golly, we will. Until then, for Thomas Bridges and Mackenzie Nelson, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week. The Jones Report. F- yeah.